Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to go to the mailbag and dig through it and see if there's anything interesting. The first topic that comes up is someone sent me an um, article that I think we should look at. And it's interesting, uh, scary as can be, but interesting nonetheless to see what's going on in this country. This article is special report from Marcus and Millichap. It's a fourth quarter 2022 report. It says investors face new tax on real estate transfers priced above $5 million dollars. Both transactions and developmental landscaping negatively affected. So I read on. The city of Los Angeles has a new homeless and housing solutions tax established a 4% to 5.5% fee on all real property sales priced over $5 million starting April 1st, 2023, dubbed a mansion tax. This voter-approved measure, get that, voter-approved measure. Can you believe this? Voters are approving to increase their own taxes. Will significantly impact not only the single-family housing market, but also commercial and multifamily properties. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. So I'll just start, start at the top, and that is, think about living in a democratic run city and state. Who knows what it is that makes these people vote the way they do and to empower the kinds of laws and rules that they do. Something which has been termed a disease called socialism is inflicting these people and spreading as fast as COVID. To this day, this kind of a sales tax on real estate has been all over the country. There's been different places. I don't know exactly where they're all at. I remember paying it once or twice. Small amounts. For example, right now, there's already a 0.56% tax on this real estate right there in L.A. They've just added another one on. Now, the interesting thing about what the Democrats do is they come up with nifty names for things like the Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing to reduce inflation. Uh, this act is deemed, let's see if they deemed it dubbed the Mansions Tax. And that's what it's dubbed. That's not what it's actually called. The actual name of it is, it's in here somewhere. I may catch it for the end of the show, but it's basically deemed as a homeless person's act, Right. Uh, the bottom line is, is that this tax is, and I'll read you some of the minor details about this tax, is a 4% tax on real estate, $5 million or more, and a 5.5% tax on real estate, $10 million or more. Now, it affects housing 
and commercial real estate. $5 million homes per se in most cities wouldn't be, there wouldn't be enough of them to really make a difference. But in LA, there probably is a bunch of $5 million homes, and so they're going to get taxed. And it's the homeless tax, the Homeless and Affordable Housing Act is what they're calling it. And they've established a new government entity to run this thing called the Housing of L.A. Fund within the city. Uh, Within the Treasury, it has its own department, and the Los Angeles Housing Department has the authority to approve up to $50 million projects per city council. So what's happening is they're going to raise what appears to be a billion dollars with this tax. And then they're going to give their cronies the right to give that money out to their friends in deals to create affordable housing projects up to $1.1 billion, up to $50 million per deal. Now, I guess that answers why it's getting done. This is definitely an insider deal. And I guess it's easy to figure out why they got everybody to vote for it because they're just saying, hey, all you poor people vote for this because we're going to create more affordable housing for you. What it's probably going to do, and I don't know about affordable housing. I've, I've been in this business now for 33 years. I've owned housing where I've used Section 8 housing vouchers, and it was terrible. Uh, I've had government housing buildings, affordable housing buildings right across the street from me, and they always get torn up. There are some some properties which have LURAs, which is a deal where you get get out of paying property taxes if you keep your rents a certain level of cost of living in the area. Those don't seem to be as bad. But anything dubbed affordable housing, anything dubbed government housing, it just, it's a waste of money. You move the people in, they destroy it because there's no, no ownership there. And it's all people that are where they are in life because of who they are and what they do. And moving them into a new building doesn't make that change. They are still who they are, and they still do what they do. So this project is doomed to failure, but there's going to be all kinds of graph, uh, people making money in between on this, and so on and so forth. But what's it going to do in reality, though? In reality now, this thing doesn't start until uh, 2023. It won't be implemented till I think, April of 2023 is what it said. And so you've got a very small window of time where you can try to get out of the real estate you own in L.A. City. And so you're going to see a bunch of sales there. You're going to see people trying to get out before this time. If they have any thought at all they want to get out in the next couple of years, they're going to get out now, next 12 to 15 months, so they don't have to pay this tax. Secondly, nobody's going to want to buy there. You know, the prices have to go down because people buying the stuff from them now are going to know that when they turn around to try to sell it, they're going to get hit with a 5% tax because no commercial building's less than $5 million there. There couldn't be. Just couldn't be. So 5.5% tax, which is $600,000, 55 is $600,000 minimum. Hold on, they got it here. Five hundred fifty thousand on ten million. I'm sorry. So they're going to lose five hundred fifty thousand dollars the second they buy the property. So it's got to drive the prices down some degree, right? It only makes sense. 
people that buy after that will know that the tax is already in place and somebody's the seller's going to have to pay the tax. So that's going to hurt him or her, whoever it is. And again, it should hold the prices down because people buying should not want to buy in a city where. And this article goes on and talks about how a lot of money will move out to the periphery. In other words, in every big city, you've got the city proper. And then right outside of the city, you've got suburbs and or little other incorporated areas. There's no problem for people to move their businesses that that distance. And the only thing that won't move are the apartments that are within that area, right? But you're sure not going to see any more built unless they're affordable housing projects, which is maybe what they want. Who knows? But the bottom line is it's going to affect the value of real estate. It's going to affect the value of expensive homes. But maybe not so much because people who can afford expensive homes never put them on mortgages. They always pay cash for them. And what's a million here or a million there to a rich person? Really nothing. So that may not affect the, the housing thing. I have to tell you that I'm teaching people to stay away from democratically controlled states completely because they don't care about the small business person. They don't care about anybody, really, other than getting elected and maintaining power, which means steal from the rich and give to the poor. That's basically what they're doing. And you don't have to buy there. That's the whole thing. People are voting with their feet. People are moving out of California. They're moving especially out of the cities there. People are voting with their feet and their pocketbook, and they're moving. And you need to look at the demographics of where people are moving to. And we have the right to invest where we want to invest. And I'm telling you that rule number one, don't lose money, is telling me you don't want to be there. So having said that, you realize that that now becomes a important part of your investing. What you need to understand is there are a tremendous number of states that are not that way. All the news that we hear comes out of L.A., Chicago, and New York. So you think that's what everybody in the world is thinking and believes, but it isn't. So there you have it. Put that in and make that a part of your investment strategy in the future. I myself now, I own real estate in 10 different states. I own companies in 12 different states. I am diversified not for the reason you would think. You would think that I'm diversified because I want to make sure that if one part of my business goes down, another part doesn't, and that you know that there's safety and diversification. No, that's not. I'm diversified in my businesses because I want to bring lifestyles, business, its practices, its belief systems, its values to the whole country. Caveat, the whole country that would accept it. Some places won't accept my type of wisdom. It doesn't work in their world. In their world, it's, you know, the rich are all bad people, and anybody who tries to get rich is a bad person trying to get rich even, right? So moving on, Christmas, holidays coming up. You got all your gifts yet? You getting your shopping done? Think about this. Do you have as much money as you need to be able to Buy the things that you feel are appropriate for your family. You know, it's one thing to buy them something. It's another thing altogether to buy them gross, extravagant things. 
But there is that happy medium where there's like, you know, I wish I could give my grandkids this. I could give my kids this. My wife, this. I wish I could, you know, have a happy or merry Christmas. And what's most important is not worry about the fact it's going to destroy my retirement plan. Or even more interestingly, I'm already on a retirement plan. I'm already retired, and can I afford to do that stuff anymore? I mean, there's one thing to be retired. There's another to be retired and have enough money to do the things you want to do and live the life you'd like to live. If not, then you need to think about changing what you're doing, rearranging your financial priorities to fix it so you can retire within two, three, four, five years, and that when you are retired, you can still live it at or better quality of life than you're living right now. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the mailbag. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. What would you say to women out there, Kelly, if they're thinking about doing this, if they're sitting out there right now going, I'm trapped with a glass ceiling where I work. I know I can't go up any further. There's, there's no room there. What would you say to them about becoming their own boss? Well, you know, you can decide to stay where you're at and keep trying to crack that glass ceiling. But at the end of the day, in this environment, it is so easy, you know, to be able to get out of that mold. People know me and they come up to me and they're very gracious and they don't look at me and say, oh, you're a woman, I'm not gonna invest with you, I'm gonna go over here. There's no real gender there. Are you ready to be part of a world where there are no glass ceilings, no gender bias, no limits? Start like award-winning real estate investor Kelly did with the online free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are in the mailbag and um, I've got an email here. It says, I'm a Lifestyles Unlimited member currently invested in five deals as a passive investor and own five doors as an IRO. Five doors means five houses as an IRO, which is independent owner. So they own five rental houses, and they're in five passive syndications. My parents are up in age with no retirement and can no longer physically work. Now, this family believes that they should do something to support their parents. You work your whole life just to get yourself out of you got babies, you, you know, grandkids, you got it all, but you're just barely getting by. And every month you're worrying about how you're going to pay those bills. And that's what people should be thinking about when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s. But they don't. So we go on from there. It says they only they have only Social Security income and it's not enough to pay all their bills. Again, I'm just wading through this thing. 
what are their bills? You know, maybe if you feel the moral obligation to take care of these people, you move them into your home. But that might be the solution. But they don't think that's the solution they want. That's the problem. (laughs) If that were that easy, just take care of them, move them in, take care of them like kids. You know, remember, they're regressing. They're becoming kids again. What do you do? They say, I want to help retire my parents by giving them a percentage of my passive distributions since most of this money will be tax-free. All right. Remember, it's tax-free right now. It's really tax-deferred until some point in the future when you do something that makes it not tax-free anymore. So if you get the money, you now have to think about how you want to do this. It becomes very tricky, and it's going to take a CPA to answer these questions. This is above my pay grade. Uh, I only know what I've looked into myself in different situations with my kids and stuff, and that is, look, if you decide to give them, so I want to give them a percentage of my passive distributions. Okay, let's talk about just giving money to them, right? You can do that. Now, there's a certain amount of it a year you can give, and I don't know, I should look that up. Maybe I can at break look up how much you can give away each year that's not taxable to you. It's gift tax, right? So let's say I think it's like 15000 bucks a year right now is what I think it is. So you could give them, you know, $1,100 a month to, in addition to their income, you know, to add to their Social Security and help them out. And I don't think there's a taxable effect of that, right? However, if you give them more than that, then the money becomes taxable to them and possibly you. In fact, if you give it to them as a gift, I guess it becomes taxable to you. I'm not sure. I think that's the way it works. Yeah, it, it becomes taxable to you if it's a gift, right? So either they're going to pay taxes on it or you're going to pay taxes on it. And really, if they pay taxes on it, what kind of taxes are they going to pay? Because that which is passive income to you, which gets given to them, how is that income characterized? Is it still passive income or does it become earned income because it just becomes not earned? We'll call it ordinary income, which is taxable and taxable to what degree? It's not employment tax because they're not employed, but it's ordinary income. And so it might be better to give it to them anyway and then get it out of your tax bracket. But if it's tax free in your tax bracket because your real estate investments, now you're making that money taxable. So. There's some concerns here, you see. You have to look at this thing. I I think you give them what you can give them untaxable. Then you decide, am I willing to pay the taxes on the rest? The one thing I will not do, and this is very, very important, is I would not give them the investments themselves. Because if you give them the investments, and my thought was earlier when I was thinking about this, well, if you give them the investment or make them partners in the deal, so that they can pull the proceeds out tax-free also because they're, you know, although they can't because they're not active real estate investors, so they're not going to be able to pull out anything above and beyond what you get from that one particular deal or whatever it is. And again, this is all stuff you need a CPA for. You know, you then run into those ramifications also. But the point is I would never give them the asset. Why? Because if and when they die, and we all die, so don't take that wrong, but if and when they die, you got to get the asset back. 
And you giving them the asset might get you taxed because now that's a sale. So you're getting taxed on proceeds. And then if they give it back to you or if you take it back, it gets taxed again as inheritance tax at some point. So the best thing to do is keep your assets to yourself in your control that they can't get to and give them money. That's the way I see it. Just give them as much as you feel like you can afford to give them and uh, go buy more real estate. Why? The more money you have, the more you can afford to be benevolent. And I feel like that's important to be benevolent. I feel like you're not really rich if you don't have enough to give some away and to share it and spend it on your family and your kids and so on and so forth. So I think you you got to look at that. He goes on and says, I'm 45 years old and I don't plan on stop working in my business until I'm 55 because I like what I do. What are your thoughts? Well, if you're still working, it means you still have the ability to save and you want to make sure that you don't give them so much that you kill your ability to save and invest. I would focus on trying to save enough to invest to buy a little bit more real estate each year, whether it's another, uh, you know, get in another passive deal each year or buy a couple more rental houses each year. I would build my portfolio up to where there's enough side income that taking care of mom and pop doesn't really hurt me at all. I think that's the way to go. And I think it's something you should think about in the future. So a lot of people, they think about, okay, I'm going to raise my kids and I'm going to, you know, put my kids through college and we need a college fund and all that kind of stuff, right? They don't really think about what happens to their family. And let's go even one step further. And quite honestly, what happens if something happens to you? I know that they like to talk about, you know, insurance policies and so forth. And some of you need to have them. Uh, I'm self-insured because I have enough money that I can survive without working because I don't work now, right? So if you don't have something and you were to lose your job and you couldn't afford to survive, you'd be in real trouble. So you need to look into that type of insurance. This next piece of mail uh, comes in saying, uh, did you know because of your mentoring, I bought two rental properties before I bought my home? I'm now in the process of refinancing with Cornerstone Lending. I have not seen any volunteer opportunities for Expo 23. I would be delighted to give back. Thank you for all you do. Okay, let's uh, unpack this. Why is this so important? This is very, very important. Most people believe that what they need to do is buy their own personal home first. Why? Because you have been trained to believe that you can only afford to buy one home. And so you think if you go buy a rental house, then you won't be able to buy, afford to buy your own personal residence. That's not true. That's the belief, but it's not true at all. Not even close. Don't even think that. Here's what the reality is. When you go to buy your own personal residence, you have to qualify to a debt-to-income ratio, showing that how much income you have compared to how much debt you have if you can afford to make the mortgage payment. If you don't, then you can't buy the house. So normally when they tell you you're qualified, you're qualified to buy a $100,000 home, a $200,000, 300000 et cetera. What they're telling you is your debt-to-income ratio could afford to buy a home up to this price and the mortgage payments would fit inside of your budget and we would qualify you for that mortgage. Now let's talk about buying a rental property. When you buy a rental property, they don't look at it that way. 
They look at your debt-to-income ratio, and then they add the amount of income coming from the potential rent. And they add the amount of cost from the mortgage. And ultimately, if you've done this right, you've got a positive cash flow. That doesn't affect your debt-to-income ratio at all. Now, if you're to buy houses, rent houses that don't cash flow, that's going to kill your debt-to-income ratio, right? But if you go out there and you buy a house that your mortgage payment is 75% of what the rent is, then that's a wash. And so you could buy as many rental houses as you wanted. And then what's interesting is at some point you could come back and buy your own personal residence because you haven't eaten into your personal debt to income ratio at all. Now that's what this guy did. You ultimately end up getting your personal residence But before you've done that, you've built up a lot of net worth. Now, a lot of people out there go to the wrong bankers, and bankers don't know how to look past what different types of mortgages, different types of real estate purchases are. And so even the bankers might tell you, well, you've already got a home. You can't buy another home. And you say, no, 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 this is an investment property. And they might go, well, that doesn't matter. You still have another home, and we couldn't you know, finance another home for you. So... You have to go to the right mortgage lenders to be able to get this stuff done. But if you do, look what happens. This guy, he said back in, let's see, I attended, you know, whenever it was he joined, he's now got these two homes that he can refinance out his down payment from. So not only does he have his personal residence, he now has two rental properties. Now he's going to refinance the profit out of these uh, rental houses and be able to go buy two or three more and hence build his wealth. And that's what we do here. That's why we can do what we do, and you can't do it the way you do it. If he would have bought his personal residence first, there's no way he could have bought two rent houses. So very, very important. Buy your rent houses before you buy your personal residence. In fact, I'll give you one more statement, is that you know everything's relative to people, but if you buy your rent houses first and build up a bunch of income and assets and net worth, You might even be able to buy the dream home you want instead of just the cheapest piece of garbage you can afford to buy. All right, the next question that comes up here is, I was a PIG member in the past. I renewed renewed a couple years, but life shifted course, and I'm just now back and interested in investing in multifamily. How much would it cost me to renew? Well, that depends on what type of membership he had, and... um, I'm getting our guys with him to see, you know, what membership he has, what membership he wants to go to or keep. It also matters, you know, he's coming in now the holiday because we have holiday specials. He might be able to get a deal on his renewal. What's more important for this discussion is this. I invented Lifestyles Unlimited um, 33 years ago with the concept that real estate investing is a lifetime commitment. So my memberships, when you join them, are lifetime memberships. There is a renewal each year you pay, which is different for different levels of membership. But that renewal does not have to be paid. If you want to go dormant, you can go dormant. In other words, I invested all my money. I bought these two rent houses. I have no more money to invest. I don't think I'll renew next year because I really can't buy a house. I know I won't be able to buy one next year until I can refinance the money out of these houses. So they go dormant for a year. Then they come back and pay a renewal, get back involved. We help them find another house and do another deal. We help them refinance the money out. So you you just use us when you need us. But I've had people that have been members for 30 years, literally. 
And they come and go when they want. They get interested, they get disinterested. I do the same thing. I was interested in trains, I'm disinterested in trains. I'm interested in playing guitar, I'm disinterested in playing guitar. I'm interested in, in being physically fit, I'm disinterested. I mean, you, you, things like that in life that are lifelong things, they, they get pushed aside sometimes because life's busy, complicated. And that doesn't mean they don't come back. And you don't have to buy another membership to come back. All you have to do is renew the membership you had, which is much cheaper than buying a new membership, right? Um, so I've encouraged people to come back this way and to keep growing their wealth for the rest of their life. And that, my friends, I think is a very important aspect of this all. The reason I'm where I'm at is because 33, 34 years ago, I started when I was 34 years old. I'm 56, so it'll be 32 years ago, whatever. I started buying real estate, bought houses, then small apartments, then large apartments, then commercial real estate. Every year, I buy more real estate. Every single year, I'm looking at some more right now even, every single year I look at and buy something so that my wealth continues to grow. And that, my friends, is how you get rich. Remember, though, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. See you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.